I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And I'm stuck. He's making cut with his Honestly. I'm gusset. I'm absolutely gusset. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push right here. KSL Podcast, KSL Sports production brought to you every week by myself, Alex Curie, and Dan Jimenez uh, in the house as usual. So, Dan, welcome to your race week, dude. I love not having the breaks between the races. It's just so much better to not have to figure out, uh, you know, all these all these dudes who are like sitting around waiting for these races to go. I'm just so excited that we can actually get to some racing just a few days after the uh, U.S. Grand Prix. So we're on to Mexico. On totally. to Mexico. So here we are, Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, thoughts about this one? Well, first, let's wrap up some of the some of the cost cap stupidity that's uh, still going on here. I guess what do we what do we learn still? Is there going to be anything that comes of? Are there going to be constructors' points taken away? Is there going to be anything that we have to deal with this, or can we just Please put this thing in the past. And I'm not saying that like some yeah. guy who wants – I don't care if Red Bull wins or loses. I'm not a, a Red Bull guy. I just want like some continuity in the sport. I know that people – hey, you know, you don't want to cheat in sports. But where are we on the cost cap stuff so we can move on and hopefully get to the next uh, the next round of, uh, of stuff here in F1? Yeah, everyone wants to just move on. Like let's close this chapter and, and, and get on to the next thing because we're all just tired of getting strung out by it. Uh, so the news today was that, um, Red Bull and the FIA have, uh, like mutually agreed upon, you know, Hey, we're going to sign this paper that says that we were in breach and, uh, but they've surely pre-negotiated their penalty. And there was lots of, um, footage last week of, uh, the FIA CEO whose name I am going to get wrong, but he's the Saudi Arabian, uh, guy. Uh, he and Christian Horner were like spending a lot of time together in the paddock and having closed door meetings. So surely that was just a negotiation going on between those two. Uh, but they announced today that they've come to an agreement and there's going to be, I think the announcement of the penalty tomorrow. So um, at the first day of practice of hey, the Mexican fun. GP. All right. So we'll have that. But uh, as far as penalties, they did confirm that there's going to be a like a financial penalty and a sporting penalty. The financial penalty, we'll see how much that is. The rumored uh, over, you know, spend was $1.8 million. So I don't know if it'll be a one-to-one penalty or two-to-one or who knows. Um, they're kind of setting a, the precedent here. And then the sporting penalty is likely going to be that uh, reduction in wind tunnel time. So um, probably not going to be, you know, any surprises beyond that. And we'll we'll all just move on and uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> the competitors won't, you know, continue to you know complain about it uh, i know that the, i mean we make a lot of the wind tunnel stuff but like how much it, i mean really try to uh, i'm trying to figure out what 
you know, if you're if you're if you're a Mercedes guy, if you're Lewis Hamilton, if you're Total Wolf, you go, this is the worst thing ever. They had massive advantages. They got faster because of the extra money that they spent. They got a quarter of a second on us from the money that they spent. You know, like uh, certainly this season, yeah, right. I mean, like they're they're gonna roll that out. I know you're like everybody wants to move on from this. Uh, Mercedes is like we don't. We want to keep bringing this thing up, and I know they can't do much after this weekend. But I'm just wondering how much of it. Like, is there going to be like a long term like eye roll about like is F1 taking a hit on this like PR wise? Do you think, or is it just one of those things? Is like, hey, we're kind of chalking this up to first year stuff of hard cost caps and and. And uh, maybe in years future, are we going to see like harder penalties? If this were to happen next year, would it be a harsh, a more harsh penalty? Yeah, I think that uh, I hope that they, in their you know announcement tomorrow, that they actually get into the details of exactly where and by how much uh, Red Bull went over, like decomposing that one point eight million bucks. Um, because you know how much of his, of it really was catering versus how much was it that like Red Bull reused parts from the previous season that they thought wouldn't get counted under the cap, but then like supposedly halfway through the season, uh, F one changed the rules, and so you know they the, uh, Red Bull's kind of saying that there was a bit of a moving goalpost there that they got caught in, and um, I think that if it's minor like that where it's just like auditors fighting over definitions of terms then I think we all move on pretty quickly. Uh, and if I think if you see something more egregious, like actual fraud of trying to hide numbers or hide, you know, hide salaries, then I think that you're going to see bigger penalties in the future. But it seems like from the rumors that have been going around that this is a lot of just more kind of accounting stuff on who, you know, what the FIA and what Red Bull were independent, you know, each saying was going to be included or not in, in the cap that didn't doesn't seem to have given them a performance advantage, I think. All right, there's the boring bull, bull stuff that we uh, <laughs> have to get through uh, for this thing. So now we've got the Mexican GP in front of us. Uh, from a racing standpoint, what, anything happened in the world of like – I mean, I know after the, the US GP, we had the, you had the 10-second uh, the start-stop, which turned into a 30-second penalty for uh, – for Alonzo to go from seventh down to 15th and he's appealing that is there anything like I mean is he going to see anything from that like or do appeals really get overturned I feel like that once they make their decision I feel like the FIA and F1 kind of go hey we're going to stand by our marshal's decision we're going to stand by the race director's decision just because we don't want we don't want to mess with any of that is there grounds for him really being reinstated or reinstalled as that seventh at that p7 that he had at the end of the race yeah, I think in this case there is. And the reason um, being that they, being the FIA or like the race stewards, actually never showed that black and orange flag to Alpine during the race. So, so they didn't never show up on it, didn't show up on it because now they just show up on the steering wheel or the team yeah. goes, hey, you've been black and orange flag, dude. You got to you got to come yeah. back in. Yeah. So they didn't they didn't do anything and say anything to Alpine about it until Haas submitted their complaint and saying like, yo, like you guys have hit us for this stuff in the past. I guess uh, Magnuson got hit with this two or three times last year. And so they reported the FIA says, you know, Lonzo's out there driving without a rear view mirror, right side mirror. And um, Alpine is also saying that Haas submitted that complaint like 25 minutes too late. I guess there's some cutoff after the race that all those complaints have to be submitted. 
they're saying um, Haas submitted it late, plus they were never sh even officially shown the black and orange flag. And so that's why Alpine's pressing so hard to appeal this, that like, look, you guys are like breaking your own rule book by, by assessing this penalty. So I think in this case, like, uh, Alonzo has a point and I, I hope he, he wins out because I, I do think it's unfair for them, um, to not follow their own kind of set of rules on how these appeals are supposed to work, but it's gosh, it's boring hearing about appeals <laughs> on appeals. Uh, you know? So I was looking into this because I actually went down a weird rabbit hole the other day and, um, I think there, you know, I think that YouTube suggested, I know it's wild that it was based on the uh, things that I already watched before. They're all, hey, buddy, you want to watch this thing about F1? And it was like uh, the wildest black flags in the history of, uh, of oh, F1. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Of all the things that I've had in my time, my short time in F1 in the last four or five seasons, I don't think I've seen a black flag in a race. And that like, seems like something that yeah. just came up all the time. So let's go through some of the flags. I haven't uh, quizzed you prior to this, right? Oh, about gosh. I, I can't. I'm ha I'll, oh, I'll have a hard time then knowing. You better, yeah. Then you better figure it out. We'll start off easy here. The yellow flag, Dan, <laughs> what does the yellow flag usually indicate? Oh, what do the flags mean? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That is a uh, yeah, caution. Yeah, safety caution, car. Caution, okay. Uh, yeah. The yellow and red striped flag. Now, this one's wild. I've never seen this one before. Yellow and red striped. <laughs> uh, this is dude. My, I dude. I don't know that. Listen, one. it's a wild one. Slippery track due to oil, water, or loose debris. Which I'm like, well, come on. We've had that. We've seen huh. that before. I haven't seen the red and white. But this is the best part. Uh, it also, if it's rocked from side to side and not waved, it indicates <laughs> that there's a small animal on the track. So okay. there's well, let's definitely definitely do not put Tim Cook in charge of that. <laughs> no, it would be good for him to do the rocking back and forth. Like, don't wave it; just like barely move your arm. I want you to look like a robot waving that thing. Yeah, on the side. If, Tim, if it looks like Tim Cook's waving the flag, it means small animal. <laughs> okay, uh, green flag, easy one here. Yeah, go go go! Lights yeah, out. Let's get going. Blue flag. This is when we see you know periodically, pretty much every. This race. says this is like Latifi. Get out of the way because Verstappen's <laughs> coming just, through. It's only it's only for Latifi. That's it's like yeah. in years past. It was we just called it the Williams flag until the, until yeah. more recently. Uh, yeah. This one, the white flag. Now, this one's. I feel like you see it. On the driver's steering wheel, sometimes I don't think I've ever seen it wave though, or maybe flash. Yeah, uh, I, I, one lap to go, right? I thought the same thing because that's what it is in in our American it's, style it's what an oval like, racing, yeah. right? This is a, this is usually they said it's usually just used during the free practices, and it's when the oh. and it's when drivers are doing practice starts. There's a slow moving vehicle ahead. Okay, so you, oh, so right now I, I can't give that. you any super license points at this particular point, but we'll just no. keep going for no, no. Uh, for the reps. Uh, red flag. Yeah, stop the race. Whole stop thing stops. Everybody yeah. comes into the uh, everybody comes into the pits. Either to bad weather or dangerous uh, situations going on. They even said our spectators uh, on the track. I thought, geez. Oh, okay. Uh, black flag is when a driver is what? Just they're in trouble. They got to pull in because yeah. they've they're not following you know a warning or yeah. Some, yeah, the they're not flag, safe out there. The black flag is an immediate disqualification. So yeah. when you're when that driver gets a, a black flag, they're disqualified. And what's interesting is I watched a lot of these black flags, and Michael Schumacher was not uh, incident free in his career of getting a black flag. He mm. and Nigel Mansell both, who are both former world champions, Nigel Mansell rocks the original wild uh, eyebrows and mustache. You know, <laughs> one of the classic uh, you know British drivers in British driving history. 
they both at one point in their careers ignored black flags and just finished the race instead. <laughs> like so, oh my gosh. Yeah, there's that part where they go, "Hey, you need to come in." But what are you going to tell a guy who's driving 200 miles an hour? You can't shoot his yeah. you can't shoot his tires out. So, the no. black and orange flag <laughs> is we just discussed this. What is it? It's a there's safety hazard with your car. You got to bring it in and address yeah. it. It's a mechanical or damage issue, and yeah. and that's interesting. That and they even said. The flag is accompanied by the driver's race number. So that even makes me think more. If they weren't shown the flag and they weren't, like, told specifically, because I think when we were watching the race, they discussed the damage. You know, when you're mm-hmm. watching the commentary, they discussed the damage. But no, I, I don't remember hearing them even talking about a black and orange flag. But maybe no, I'm sure, I'm maybe sure they, they would have. Yeah. Uh, the white and the half black, half white flag. Half black, half yes, white? Not to be confused with checkered, but half black, half white. I don't know. Yeah, this one is a this one is a warning for unsportsmanlike behavior. It's a fifteen yard oh, penalty. Okay, yeah. it's like yeah, it's like a black flag warning. It's like okay. an almost. You're about to get a. You're about to get it. And then yeah. of course the checkered flag uh, is the finish of the old race. So there you go. Oh, I, I, do they also give them a black? They give them a black and white flag when they go um, over uh, outside of like the track limits. I oh, think they say be, that on the what? broadcast. Yeah, I could see that, and I think you see sometimes when you show they show the drivers in the cockpit. You see them, and, and, and I think it's fascinating because whatever warning that they are usually given or whatever thing is happening, if the safety car comes out, you have that SC on the, you know, on the, mm-hmm. on the wheel. But all the flags that they've been issued technically would show up on that, uh, on that, uh, on that steering wheel. Display. Yeah, on yeah. their display. And the black and white flag I've definitely seen because when they go, hey, and even this last race, how many times was Lewis, you know, saying, hey, man, he went over uh, the track limits at turn 20, turn seven. <laughs> like he was like giving a play by play of uh, of Max's uh, yeah. violation. But now there, they, there they was him, one that they gave I, him, saw I think that. two or three strikes, right? No, that's what they were <laughs> yeah. doing. They like, just kept going. What were yeah. You, what did you yeah, see? everyone got three strikes. But I did see that someone called out that Lewis reported that Sergio Perez had gone wide and turn whatever. And Sergio was behind him, and so Lewis saw it on a screen as he was passing. <laughs> was literally watching the TV and said, "I just saw Sergio go wide." Wow! And I, like what a lunatic! Hey, was he right though? Was he right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. He's the world I champ. <laughs> like it's what. what <laughs> I mean, it's okay. They look at the screen. It's like when the guy's running in for a touchdown and he's looking to see if any, anybody's behind him up on the big up on the yeah, up yeah, on the big screen. True. It's it's helpful. So you might as well do. It. And if there's somebody who can do it. Heck, you could probably let that guy text and drive, you know, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> could be. They're doing a lot more than texting and moving <laughs> I, all those buttons around already. I can't already. believe when they're like, move to strat three. I'm like, what on earth is going on at this point? Yeah. I love after the race, they can't, they almost don't even celebrate. They're like, oh, Max, you're the world champion. Set to strat four and then move over to position seven. Watch your, watch your battery. <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah, come on. Please, yeah. I know you're an engineer all the time, but settle down. I don't think the car's going <laughs> to die in this uh, half lap here. All right, uh, Mexican Grand Prix. I, I mean, look, I want Checo to win this thing. I want Checo to win. Uh, I want Mexico to be exciting. I want him to pull ahead of uh, of Charles in this in, in the last couple races here, so that there's that little second, third place fight. Plus, I just love when guys win their home Grand Prix, and I can't imagine a group right. maybe more insane. Well, the Dutch, but then Mexico and and the Mexicans for their guy Checo. Like I mean, this this dude gets more this dude gets more fans in Mexico, obviously, because of the Mexican draw, but like his dad is like a likable figure. He's got a big old smile on his face. 
I don't know. Am I am I singular in this? Just thinking, I want to see Checo win this thing because Max has done everything else this year. No, I think that that's it. I, all eyes are on Checo this week, and he you know knows that it would be super cool to see him win this race. And uh, I think that like the the DFA, the Mexico uh, capital, would mm-hmm. just like maybe get burned to the ground. They'd be so excited. It'd be <laughs> it's going to be crazy. So I think that it's going to be a competitive race. So um, doing a little bit more research and reminding myself last week when we were talking about it, I had mentioned like, oh, you know, the way the track is built out, it's a it's a low downforce track. But I forgot that um, Mexico City is at like 7000 feet elevation. What does that and do? So they, what does that do for the performance of the car? Yeah. So it's a lot thinner. The air is a lot thinner. And so it, the car is creating less natural downforce. And so you can run a more, you have to run like a more high downforce configuration to achieve the same amount of downforce that you would get at like sea level. But what that does is that's going to minimize the um, like drag, like uh, advantage that Red Bull has over everybody else. So Mercedes, like Total Wolf was quoted saying that they think they're going to be a lot more competitive this week because um, the W13 has been notoriously like draggy this year and they know they have to address that for for next year but in the thin air it's almost like everybody's racing in a vacuum so it's all kind of everybody's on equal footing so uh i i looked at looking at mercedes to um be a lot faster the they had a pretty wide top speed differential to the other teams at in austin but that should close up this uh week in mexico city uh you did the homework and you looked into some of this stuff. You're our engineer on staff. And so what else have you found out engineering wise that we need to know about this one? So I looked into the regulation changes for next year for 2023. Obviously they're going to be a lot uh, fewer than what we had in 2022. Yeah, intense full on um, car change last year. Right. Now it's just yeah. going to be like, I mean, dialing up some things, right? I mean, what are we? Yeah, refinements, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the big one that people talk about the most is that they're increasing the height of the floor. So, like, the floor on an F1 car is kind of like a difficult concept to understand. Like, yes, it's the floor is like the underbody, underside of the car, like the part that would like hit the road as it porpoises. But like, there's also a top side to the floor. Like, the space between the side pods and the rear tires is like this you know, just almost like a wing with lots of different aero elements uh built into it to direct the air so it's very like super important part of the car i think it generates the floor generates more downforce than either the front wing or the rear wing and um so for next year they're increasing the height of the floor on the outer edge by 15 millimeters which does not sound like a lot but what that's going to do is just increasing the height of that floor uh, means less chance for the the car to stall out and get like the varying negative positive pressures that cause porpoising. Um, so that I think is done in an effort to reduce porpoising next year. And um, they're also making uh, that floor stiffer so it can't deflect as much under load. Um, so that's like going to be the biggest change. So I, what I think that does is it probably puts more of the teams on uh, kind of equal grounds because they're all going to be racing at a little bit higher ride height. Um, some of the other changes are they're strengthening uh, the roll hoop for um, all the cars based on 
Joe Guan Yu's crash at uh, the British Grand Prix. If you remember, he like got flipped upside down and skidded on top of his his halo yeah, for a what, while. What was the uh, because in the end it was like, man, the halo saved his life. But but is it just to be like, hey, just in case, because that was wild, or is it more like they actually found something after the crash that they were like, ooh, this didn't hold up nearly as well as we thought it would. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I remember seeing pictures that looked like it just had gotten sanded down. And like if he had slid, you know, if that had happened 100 meters sooner, uh, maybe it would have failed before, you know, he flipped his car flipped itself back over. So do they make so it like do they make it thicker or do they do like a like a thing where the alloy just is even more like intensely titanium or I, I don't even know what it's totally made of. Yeah, it's it's all carbon fiber, but uh, yeah, they said that it needs to be less uh, or more abrasion resistant. I honestly don't know how they're going to do that. I'm sure it'll be something to do with the coating of whatever that carbon fiber is painted it's, with. Uh, it's Pam. And then, it's just um, Pam. you know, yeah. strengthening it or thickening it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they're going to strengthen it too so that it can carry more like I guess they've never really kind of considered like in a roll, like how much force would it hit the top of that halo, you know, as you go upside down. So they're uh, increasing the strength in that direction. So that's good for safety. Another safety thing is that they're increasing the size of the side mirrors. Um, and that's not just to help the driver see where George Russell is like, that's going to help with all the blind spot stuff. And uh, that'll be, you know, I, I think helpful for racing. Um, what else they're going to be, um, more uh, adjustability in the front wing. Uh, I kind of everything else is pretty uh, minimal. Oh, one thing is they're dropping the weight of the car by two kilograms. So 796 is going to be the new minimum. And they are now requiring every driver to have that visor camera that we all love so much. So that's going to oh, be standard for every every shaky, driver now. The, the, we call it the shaky Leclerc. Yeah, the one that was like... <laughs> I, everyone's like, oh, what a what a view. I'm like, that makes me sick watching that, but whatever. <laughs> I guess they're probably, like, less from a standpoint of entertainment. That's probably secondary compared to being able to see what they see in the cockpit, et cetera, to be able to probably investigate later. That's, that's why I, I think that they do most of this type of stuff. Yeah, there's probably that dual purpose. I mean, people, the fans seem to love it, and, you know, anytime there's – you know, a crash like the Alonzo Stroll one, you know, seeing like what did Lando actually see when he went through that cloud of smoke? That That is definitely, definitely like eye-catching. All right. So the Mexico Grand Prix comes up. There's also the part where, you know, Max could secure the 14th and record-setting win for the season. Uh, is that something do, – do you think that the team – Speaking of team orders, I know they would never tell Max to not try to win a race, but at the same time, he's already the world champ. They're already the constructors' champions. Is there any version in F one of being like, "Hey, man, you go win this race, and I'll uh, you've you've defended for me before. Let me go out there and uh, and and sit back here and, and fight off some of these dudes, and we'll let you win your home your home Grand Prix." Yeah, I think so. I I think that um, I mean each of those Red Bull engineers are going to approach the race strategy, you know, however best fits their uh, driver. And then as they get into the race, if there's going to be a decision that needs to be made on like who to pit first and, you know, the trade-off, you could see, you know, Christian Horner making the call of like, Hey guys, we're going to prioritize Sergio this race. Um, and maybe that conversation's had before with, with Max. And um, I think that like Max will have, you know, two more opportunities after Mexico to, get that 14th win, which I do think is significant. And I think he personally will want it. 
And so I don't, I don't see Max like laying over or pulling over for Sergio. But um, if Max finds himself in a position where it's maybe a toss up between the two, then um, I think he's the kind of guy, kind of teammate for, you know, Sergio's done so much for him that I could see him, you know, doing, uh, doing a favor for Checo to help him get a win in his home Grand Prix. Chalk that up for like, uh, again, stuff that sometimes I can't understand about racing, <laughs> about motorsport, where you're <laughs> like, so they're teammates, but, and then there's the part where they don't act like teammates and then some weeks they do. And so that's the part that's always, uh, always interesting to me here. The rest of the way through, uh, again, we've, I think we've talked about this a couple times, but in this race, who, who do you see as a dark horse possible winner of this thing that, uh, I think, I think, uh, Lewis Hamilton came out this week and said, yeah, I don't see us winning any races this year. Now that's despite the fact that they've kind of made a little bit of progress and, they were in that fight until, you know, the last 10 or 12 uh, laps in that last race. I feel like there's a little bit of Lewis that sandbags and kind of just goes, yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see. I don't think we'll win. Do, do you think Mercedes really will get through the rest of the year here and not get a W? I mean, it, it's in, it's insane to think. If you travel back in time and say, yeah, and they're not going to even win a race in 2022, that seems wild. I feel like this race is their best chance to get one before the end of the season. Uh, so if it doesn't happen here, it probably doesn't happen. Mm. But I do think that they have a good uh, a good chance of being really competitive. But it's probably going to require a mis- like s- something to happen to Max, and then it being more of like a head to head with Sergio. Uh, I think. But I think I think the chances are, are definitely there. If I had to put my money on somebody other than Max, I probably would choose Lewis uh, for this race. Not Ferrari, not the Ferrari drivers. They're out. They're they're going to somehow take themselves out of this race. Is that what That's, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, karma I think is just <laughs> too hard. And not not to say that they're deserving of it, but I just think that like some something's going on if they didn't have, you know, bad luck, they wouldn't have any at all. Uh okay, other teams or other drivers that you uh think we should have an eye on this weekend that would be like, "Hey, they might have a nice drive here as we do the farewell tour to uh to uh Nicholas Latifi and uh Sebastian Vettel. Who else is going to be out of F1 after this year? I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, and do we have any updated news on Logan Sargent? Is he is this kind of a is it kind of a done deal that if that that he's going to end up having enough super license points to be uh, driving for uh, was it Williams next year? Is that who's going to for up for Williams? Yeah, um, it'll be uh, decided in Abu Dhabi, and um, so the F two race that weekend, uh, everyone will have to watch, and hopefully they um, looks like normally they air the F two races on like ESPN three or ESPN the Ocho or one of these online <laughs> ones. Sure, and uh, so it'd be cool if they put it on like ESPN two or ESPN news or something, because I feel like there's going to be a, a, a lot of Americans interested to see how he finishes, but he's like got to finish fifth in standings and he's in third. So it's like pretty good chance as long as he finishes that he will have enough super license points. So as far as other drivers for this weekend, um, I think Sebastian Vettel, I mean, if you think that you know Mercedes themselves are going to be faster in the high altitude then I think Aston Martin will um, as well. And they were, you know, pretty quick in, in the last uh, race in Texas. So um, I'd love to see Sebastian Vettel just kind of continue with like that fire in his belly to, to get a podium before the end of the year. Hey, yo, you've got an American Express card. I've got, oh, a, I've yes. got an American Express card. Uh, and <laughs> I'll tell you what, I mean, listen, I always hate paying that fee every year, but at the same time, it's starting to pay off because... I think we can start buying tickets to the uh, 
to the to the uh, are they just calling it the Las yeah. Vegas Grand Prix? What are they calling Las, it? Las Vegas Grand Prix? Yeah, uh, I think. Listen, uh, tickets go on sale for Amex holders on uh, that's right on, on November one. So that's next Tuesday. I mean, we're gonna be. Now, but here's Tuesday, the, yeah, they're requiring 11 a.m. our time. Yes, they're requiring a three-day pass purchase, right? Isn't that what they're they're saying after this? Yeah, whole yeah. Good so job. you gotta you gotta Good buy job, all three days. Vegas. Appreciate you. I was looking at ticket prices, and this weekend in Mexico is insane. Uh, what, what was it? Oh, What'd I think I think the ones that I saw, I saw maybe a a grandstand two-day pass. Saturday, Sunday. I thought that's something that I w- that would be interesting. If I didn't make it to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fine. Make it to Saturday. Quali and the race, amazing. General admission, and it was it was between eight fifty and nine fifty. You know, you had other mm-hmm. ones that were the high, mm-hmm. like in the you know the higher bracket of being able to sit. Maybe, you, but these were like they were showing you, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good little seat right there, and that's fine. So between eight hundred nine hundred dollars, if if uh, if you wanted to go to Abu Dhabi though. That's only like four fifty for the same pass, and you can even do a one day mm. pass for like three hundred on the race day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I guess it's because people have a little bit of a harder time maybe making that flight over. But I thought it would have Getting been reverse. Yeah. yeah, I thought it would have been uh, more expensive uh, in Abu Dhabi than it would be. And maybe as they get closer to race time, like a lot of other you know tickets, it kind of gets that way. Um, yeah, but I I don't know. I can't I can't imagine things are going to be. I mean, I'm going to have to start. Uh, I'm going to have to start going. Hey, honey, let's roll uh, next year's anniversary, this birthday, and another anniversary gift all into one for me on this next one, just so I can go to this. <laughs> just like, as I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be uh, Dan footing the bill at least at least one uh, k, oh, yeah. at least eleven hundred bucks to try to probably. And then there's the part where we have to figure out where to stay, uh, because then that, oh, that, yeah. that's the part too that I, I feel like uh, is going to be an insane thing. And you don't want to be that guy who goes and you're like, we're staying in Henderson. And then we're going to walk <laughs> to the race. It's like, come on, man. We're going to go gotta do it. Got to experience it. Yes, we got to go do it. Uh, yeah, well, for, for for what it's worth, I uh, when I saw that, like, the pre-sale, you know, is coming next Tuesday, I, I think said something across the room to my wife. She kind of looked at me. And even though she didn't say it, I could feel <laughs> that she, she was yes. like, you know, I – you don't want to hear what I want to say because I know you're gonna you're gonna do it anyways. And so I that was like a nonverbal uh, approval. So See, I think I'm good to go. But you notice that I haven't even brought it up yet. So I'm like <laughs> planning it out loud with you in my head. And what I'm gonna do is go. Oh, I already talked about it on the podcast. So it looks like something. <laughs> looks that, like it's uh, happening. Dan invited. It says here. It says here on the Amex website. Prices starting at five hundred dollars per ticket. Okay. I don't know if that's per day. Um, but uh, I guess we'll find out on Tuesday. So on the general admission too, there or on the general tickets, I think you can start buying them November fifth, and then that's like a. T- I think you can buy a. I think you can buy eight as a max, but the Amex ones you can only buy two, and so I think that right. uh, I think it's, it's. But I think probably worth it to be able to get because by by November fifth, who friggin' knows what's going on? Who are the people who've been able to? get them and put them on the secondary market as it is. And, and oh whatever. yeah. So, yeah. Man, even if you just kind of hold on to them and then resell them next October, if you can't make it, like you're going to make a profit yes. if you can get in on that Amex sale. So yeah. to all of our listeners out there who have an <laughs> Amex card, 
capitalize on this. If you don't have an Amex card, hurry up and sign up and get one. And uh, <laughs> it's worth. I think the, there's a chance to arbitrage this. Oh yeah, it's it's worth the ninety five or a, I don't know one hundred and ninety five dollar you know annual fee if you're going to be able. You'll make fee. you'll make that up in just the resale uh, at least of a of a ticket like that. Hey, on one more note here. I saw this back and forth between Martin Brundle and uh, Will Buxton. Uh, Martin <laughs> Brundle does the commentary, of course, for uh, F1. I think that – I think Will Buxton is like a Liberty employee or – I don't know who he's yeah, employee. He's, he's, on, he's on F1 TV, yes. I think. So maybe so he's an F1 employee. And maybe, yeah. and maybe uh maybe Martin Brundle is the – is the uh, Liberty He's a Sky guy. Sports? He's I think. Sky. Okay, so he and he and Crofty are the ones who do. It. Typically, you hear his voice more often than not in the in the analyst right. role uh, up in the booth, and he does the grid walk that everybody watches, and as he awkwardly goes through, and half the time the people who are talking to him, especially at the U.S. Grand Prix, people have no idea who Martin Brundle is. So if Shaq gets approached by Martin Brundle, maybe actually Shaq would know, but he approached a he bunch might. of celebrities. And half of them don't know who he is. He went up to to Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt's people were like, uh, "Shoo!" Brad Pitt's like, "Thank you so much," and he's like asking him questions. He's like, "Hey, get out of here!" Uh, and I think most of the time it's because they don't want to answer questions because I, I don't know if they know that much about the race. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Brad Pitt does, but uh, Will Buxton went back and forth with Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle accused him of lying. Uh, because he said, hey, we get a list of these celebs who don't want to be spoken to, and Brad Pitt was on that list, and Martin Brundle still walked up to him. And so when he didn't get that, uh, people people think Brad Pitt's a, a, a douche for not for not answering, but the guy walked up and he wasn't supposed to talk to him. And Martin Brundle's like, that is absolutely not true. Maybe you get a list, but we don't. I'm going up and doing my job, bro. And uh, yeah. Will Buxton is not a former F1 driver, and – uh, Martin Brundle is, and I feel like carries a little bit more weight around there. So uh, he hightailed, yeah, yeah, he t- was, hightailed in, it, uh, into apology land, uh, I think. And so, it was pretty funny, yeah. And I think a lot of people like replied back to Will Buxton saying, like, like I've never gotten that list. <laughs> and like it was pretty clear. Like it, it, it became clear very quickly that like maybe Will Buxton's the only one that gets handed a list that <laughs> says don't talk to these people. They're like, maybe that's actually, more of a reflection right. on Will Buxton than anybody else. <laughs> The list actually says for Will Buxton, please don't please, approach these people. <laughs> please don't talk to these people. At the same time, like, why would you want DJ Khaled weighing in? Do you think DJ Khaled would freaking have any sort of any input on this thing except for like, yo, I'm glad to be here? So people made a lot of good points. They're like, why do these celebrities even get on the grid and walk around when they've never even maybe even watched a race? They're just there for the. For the glitz of it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's a point to this. These got half of these celebrities who are there are like, I heard this was an event, and so I'm here. I, I think it's probably a snapshot of what we're going to get at the uh, at the All Star Game next year uh, here in Salt Lake City for the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, good point. My heavens! All right, I think we did it, Dan. Let's uh, let's uh, wrap this thing up. You got we, we've got races to get to FP1 starting uh, on Friday, and then quali- qualifying on Saturday. And then uh, this isn't one of those special races that we have a uh, uh, a no we don't have a sprint race until uh, no. Brazil Brazil I think yeah. the last one of the year is the Brazilian one so uh, there it is another week in the books uh, for Dan I'm Alex we appreciate you joining us every week Dan hang in dude you're uh, 
You gotta get you gotta get well before uh, before Las Vegas next year. Okay, just make sure that you're there. Let's do it. Hey, <laughs> let's get a let's get a Lewis win this weekend, and I'll feel. I'll feel oh, better. there you go. Now suddenly he's back on Mercedes AMG. Big fan. <laughs> Little bandwagon jumper between Ferrari and uh, Mercedes. All right, for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll talk to you next time. Post race on Sunday, we'll get the breakdown for you for your Monday commute. We'll see you then, everybody. We'll